Welcome to Career Combat with your host, Kelly Combat. Get ready to learn how to navigate the career battlefield and achieve a flawless victory. Now, here is Kelly. Well, welcome, welcome, and welcome one more time. This is Career Combat. My name is Kelly Combat, and welcome once again. Happy Friday, as I always say. It is so, so great to be with all of you right now. And I use she, her pronouns. And if you've never listened to Career Combat, well, welcome once again. Because what we do here, if you don't know, is we talk all things careers, anything and everything. We keep it real. (laughs) We keep it real all the time. And when you think about all the things that encompass our careers, it's really boiling down to just one thing, and that is empowerment. And that's why Career Combat is on the Empowerment Channel here at Voice America. And another thing about our purpose is about talking about the things that are really difficult to really discuss. And sometimes we laser focus in on a particular topic, and it's just the two of us. And sometimes we have some of the brightest and best folks right here with me to discuss their journey to discuss their insights and to give you some ideas or what I like to call career nuggets so that you can think about exactly the way to move in your career. It's all inspiration, right? And so I'd love to introduce you to Andrew LaMonica. Andrew is amazing. I, you know, when I think about a wish list of who I wanted to interview on this show, Andy is exactly that. And it's not just because of his personality. It's about his background, the risks that he's taken, and the fact that I'm going to give you all a little secret. Every single time I have a conversation with this person, Andy inspires me to do something different. I learn something each and every time. So welcome, Andrew LaMonica. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited to chat with you and um, hopefully impart some insight to your listeners. This is great. And this is a really phenomenal platform you put together. So congrats to that. Oh, thank you so much, Andy. Now, for the listeners, I I know we've been, we we went through coaching together and all these things. So I just want to make sure, do you want me to address you as Andrew or Andy to the listeners? Uh, Dealer's choice on that one, whatever works for you. Okay. All right. So we'll keep it real. Uh, As I always call you, Andy, I'm going to keep it there. And one of the things that you need to know about Andy, in case you didn't check out his bio and his background, Andy has done it all. I mean, he's worked at some of the, the most powerful companies in the world and the most powerful organizations that have really spearheaded all the things when it comes to design thinking. And just really having that idea of changing things exponentially. He's also a coach. He's done some of the most powerful conversations in the world, partnering with really, really, uh, you know, fast forward thinking institutions like Harvard. And so what I'd love to do, Andy, is really first talk about your career. If you could give us a flyover, a nice flyover of your career. Tell us about your career journey. Sure. Um, I'll give you I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. So I've been doing this for more than two decades, um, and I've been very fortunate to work with some iconic companies like Google, GE, the Olympics, Adobe, Bloomberg, uh, the company, not the dude. Um, and I continue to do just really engaging work. You know, uh, throughout my career, I, I've led the rebrand of a Fortune 10. I've done global strategy for a $42 billion company. Um, I've built coaching programs for women and people of color that directly lead to promotions. Like I'm really proud of that work. Um, And it's been good. Before that, I was the founder of an agency. Uh, I work with everyone from startups to Fortune 200 brands and all business sectors. I drove impressive growth for a variety of companies and products. Uh, you could do some very light Googling. CNBC did a show on me, which is cool. Uh, like, I, you can't see me, like, I shaved my head now. But the show is cool, like, because I had hair back then, and my wife loves that one, so it's great. Uh, <laughs> before that, I got a master's degree from one of the top design programs. And before that, I actually have a fine arts degree 
uh, which means I could I could paint a picture of you, Kelly, and it will actually look like you. So that's the that's the <laughs> abridged version of my career. I'm more than happy to dive into all of that or or jump into those nuggets you want to chat. And I I didn't know that about your fine arts background. So I I I believe that that means that you have a great prowess over your both your left brain and your right brain. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I have a couple of managers in my pushback on that one, but yeah, I'll take that <laughs> sentence. I'll take that. Like, yeah, I try to engage both of them, you know, it just makes you better. So yeah. It does. It does indeed. And so how would you, Andy, describe your personal brand? Oh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Some of the language that comes back to me and some of the things I try to embody are just curiosity. I mean, that's a standard with design executives. We have to have that. Um, empathy, inclusiveness, highly strategic, um, collaborative. And I try to be very thoughtful too. Like on paper, like I'm an executive. I'm what, what you would describe as a T-shaped leader. Uh, I have deep expertise in design and wide expertise in product strategy, customer experience, and business operations. Uh, behaviorally, I'm what you would call a servant leader. Uh, the projects that seem to come across my desk or, or the ones I raise my hands for uh, are usually like untangling the big, hairy, complex enterprise problems like the multi-year roadmaps or the long-term company strategy or the intent experience or the culture transformation. It's one where like you really need to lead through people and lead through service. So that's, that's I guess, the uh, the fortune cookie version of how you would describe my personal brand. With all of those roles that you listed earlier. Mm -hmm all of those roles there's a role of uncertainty that plays within all the things that we do all the risks that we've taken in any of those roles or any of the positions that you've held what role has uncertainty played in your career what role has uncertainty played in my career well i mean that's kind of most of my job and like, you know what i'm not trying to be flippant kelly like just a lot of leadership is just navigating uncertainty you know so um, like is there something specific you want to unpack about it yeah i think there's something a little bit deeper that i'd love to unpack yeah sure when you think about the the choices that you've made and you yourself i'm not talking about your mm -hmm. role or uh yeah. how you've interacted with some of the brightest and best folks out here and how that could be uncertain, mm -hmm. or even the even the the function, the role that you have. I'm speaking about you, deep mm -hmm. level. When you have felt unsure of yourself, when you have felt, I just don't know about my future. What mm -hmm. role has that uncertainty played in your career? That's okay. That makes sense now. Um, it's played a lot in it. I think it came to the place where I can manage it at GE. Um, we okay. we dealt a lot with the Kinevin framework. Are you are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay. Uh, cool. So the Kinevin's really good. Um, it's fantastic for navigating uncertainty. So like most of the problems I do like are, that come across my desk are these ones where they're highly nebulous or you don't know kind of what's going on. Like most of the simple problems are pretty much solved before they get to my desk. Um, in general, like the higher you go in your career, the problems are more uncertain, ambiguous, and, you know, the answers are not immediately clear. You know, like those things I talked about, like the multi-year roadmap or doing this global strategy. And if it works great, um, I tend to focus in two of the areas. Um, one is the complex area of the framework, and the other is the complicated area. So like the complex is like, I know that there's at least one right answer. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but like, I, I know there's gotta be a right answer. You know, of like course. I, I was just recently, I was kind of doing this global um, strategic work for this entire ecosystem of company. Um, or even when I was at the Olympics, the Olympics is like super complicated. You know, like uh, these ecosystems, you're dealing with like thousands of product services tools. Like, I know that there's one answer to this. <laughs> But I just, you got to go through it. Yes. And the framework is super helpful. Like, you know, I'll break it down real quick for your listeners. So like the first thing you want to do is you want to probe. You want to dig into things. You want to start unpacking. You want to get insight into what's going on. Then the next part of it is you want to make sense of how you group these things together, how they fit. And then you want to respond to it. So in the probing aspect, like you're trying things. 
you're testing, you're conducting meeting experiments. Um, then you're trying to make sense of what you've learned. And that usually guides what's next. And then you want to respond to it. It's very iterative. You know, you're moving closer to a solution. NASA calls this working the problem. Um, that's how they got the astronauts back from Apollo 13. Uh, like designers in our world, we call this design thinking. Like at GE, it was the, their framework is called FastWorks. You're constantly testing and learning. It's very much like an inner approach to find the best outcomes. Now, the complicated part of this, that's the other sector of navigating the uncertainty. That's where there could be multiple right answers. Yes. <laughs> but, like, but like, you don't know like which is going to be the best one or like what's the guidance that you need from people with expertise. Um, so that's where you're kind of playing in subject matter experts. That's where you're getting advice from people like who you trust. So the complicated part of the Kinevin framework um, the first thing you need to do is like make sense of what the challenge is. And this is where a lot of people screw up. You want to clearly define what the problem is. Like yes. I've been in so many meetings with stakeholders where they just kind of like, everyone's got a different view of the problem. So you really got to like understand what the problem is and be super clear about that. And next you got to analyze like what you know, like, okay, there could be several viable options for this company strategy. Like I've been doing, I've been doing um, enterprise strategy for a long time. Like, so there may be multiple things, but I know because of my subject matter expertise that maybe there's like three real approaches, not a handful. There's like three and you need to kind of like work those things and respond with like the best plan or approach. Um, this is also, the scales actually pretty well. This is really helpful. Like if you're I don't know, uh, two working parents with multiple kids during COVID. <laughs> You're just trying to figure out things and what's the best plan, who's got the best advice, how do you iterate through this process? Or you're, you know, um, you're trying to develop a new feature for a product at your company, or you're trying to navigate like a work challenge. So, so for me, navigating the framework um, for uncertainty, this has been like super helpful. Like I picked this up at my time at GE and it's something that I've brought with me to multiple companies. Is that, is that helpful insight? It is so helpful. And spot on. I, I knew that you had that kind of uh, feedback to be able to provide. And, and you gave such a good perspective on multiple levels, all the things, all the uncertainty and how it could show up, even when it's a singular thing that you're after, or you've got multiple things to choose from, and you just don't know exactly where to go. So that's really super clear. I appreciate that. Yeah. And those are like, those are good. I mean, just, and just some general best practices. Like if we're going to do the insights portion of this chat, like yes. it's really okay to fail when you're trying these things. Cause like uncertainty, especially if you're an executive leader where your job is to make like three really good decisions a year, not like 10,000 of them. Right. It's okay to fail, but you got to learn. And like, that's a critical part of the process. You also got to trust the people closest to the problem. Like they're just able to solve it better. Um, and some pushback I get a lot from executives, like who are familiar with like command and control frameworks where it's like, I'm the boss, you do what I tell you to do. Like right. that doesn't really work. No, <laughs> like it doesn't work in this situation. It's like, it's just really hard. Um, so those are just some like general best practices, um, that are just super helpful for stuff like this. Yeah. And information that typically happens when your manager or the people who are in the lead are saying Com command and control, you do as I say. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that gets in the way of innovation and creativity. Oh, my God. All the time. Yeah. The, the phrase that I loathe is um, we've always done it this way. Oh, <laughs> it's just like, all right, cool. But like, yeah, it's just like, all right, whatever. That doesn't really help the situation. And there's a really interesting research behind the behavioral aspect of this is like the same thinking that created the problem can't be the same thing that solves the problem. So like you really have to like think in different ways or bring in different teams. You know, this is where design thinking is super helpful to corporate innovation. Um, so, yeah, those really good things to keep in mind while you're going through this. Okay. Uh, I got most of that. It was breaking up just a bit. But um, I, I think one of the things that's important is what you said earlier about um, the fact that you are a behaviorally a servant leader. And I love to hear that. It, it, it's It's so refreshing when somebody breaks it down by not just how they move about their strategy, but strategically how they are interacting with the people who are depending on them, the people who are showing up and trying to be engaged. And of course, servant leadership is at the heart of all of that. And one of the things that I think is important, Andy, is to understand what made you become a servant leader? That's a good question. I think it's something... 
that I was developed with. Mm. So my time at GE, um, leadership is one of the core principles of the company. Like it's one of the, one of the five core things is like, you know, leadership is an expectation that you have at every level. Um, and it was a sharp left turn for me when I, when I joined um, GE at the time, like I ran an agency before that. Um, I was on the CMO's team. It was uh, highly visible. It was high performing and it was high pressure. And the way you navigate highly matrix um, corporate structures and the way you deliver really good work is by being collaborative and serving the mission and serving the people. Um, it's less successful when you kind of go in as these experts and you have the divine intuition to solve people's problems. It's just not very helpful. Mm. Um, so it just, that's kind of, and it just worked, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. Like I started, like I started changes. I was like, Oh, cool. Like I get more done this way. I oh. have less arguments with stakeholders. <laughs> um, like I'm more effective with my teams by, you know, positioning yourself that way. And for me, it's something that just resonates with me. It's just something that works better that way. It works better that way all the way around for you, for them. And I can imagine how you've been able to grow hearts and minds with that whole approach. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things that I think is important in this conversation, I mean, we've talked about your career journey. We've talked about your servant leadership when things are super uncertain, especially deep down inside of us. And we just don't know which way to go. You made a great point about leaning into the failure. And I, I was I was smiling nice and wide when you said that, because leaning into the failure is what we always talk about on this show. We talk about the learnings, the learnings that you can get from failure. And I break down failure as a, an acronym, FAIL, F-A-I-L. And that F-A-I-L stands for finding answers in learning every single time. And it's the most beautiful thing about coaching is that if you lean into the failure, as you know, as you said, Andy, earlier, that failing is a part of the process and you're going to learn at every single time. And so going forward, we're about to take a break. And in the time we're going to we're going to marinate on everything that Andy just said. But when we come back, we'll still have Andy and we're going to be talking a little deeper about all the advice and things that you've experienced throughout your career. So stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career Combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And you are listening to Career Combat. My name is Kelly Combat, and we were we were talking with Andrew LaMonica. Andrew LaMonica has just been dropping diamonds all the way around in this house. <laughs> just dropping diamonds, like left and right. It's just been amazing. And there's been so many insights before the break, uh, just about insights around leadership, servant leadership and failing and 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 how do you dig in even further when things are really uncertain and you don't know which way to go as a leader creating strategy for these global enterprises. I mean, super scary stuff. At the end of the day, it's okay to fail. That's what we were talking about before the break. And now continuing on to the insights of it all, I have a question because I I think, Andy, I think sometimes on this show, when we talk about insights from the things that we've learned from mentors or coaches or, or any of the like, Sometimes you never know when there's someone out there who hears what you say and it's just validation. It's simple validation, right? Okay. So my next question is, what was the greatest advice that you learned in your career that you did not take? Interesting, Kelly. Okay. Um, I don't answer that question. Okay. Here's, here's why. No, I'm not because I'm not crazy <laughs> about it. Like the question behind that question is what insight from my life can help guide your listeners with a challenge in their life? So so there's two reasons I, I don't do the advice question. <laughs> one is the big one is like it's not really going to help your listeners because it happened to me at a very specific time under a very specific set of circumstances. So it just it won't work that way and the other reason uh, it's it minimizes the trolls i have to deal with on social media it's like you gave me advice and yeah, i hate you i was like didn't work i was like i don't want to deal with that but but here's what i will give you and your listeners Scott. so um here's a framework that i think will be really helpful with the advice question and this has worked in my career as an executive leader and also in my coaching practice and the cool thing is there's like research behind this one it has a very high success rate so Whenever you have the advice problem show up in your life, get really clear on your personal values. Your values are the things you care about. It's what's core to who you are. It's your non-negotiables. It's the things you get excited about and things that get you up in the morning and get jazzed. Precisely. Those things. Yeah, there you go. Those are, that's your internal compass. So like whenever I'm talking to a leader and they're having like a problem, it's usually because there's a disconnect between their personal values and the decision they have to make. So like those yeah. of you taking notes at home, like when you're really clear about your values and you know what they are, your decisions are just so much easier. It's more like a filter mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that, is that helpful? Does that give you insight? It's certainly helpful. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the personal values. Sometimes those personal values are certainly askew. And mm-hmm. as uh, as a recruiter, I, you know, when I was a recruiter for many years at Ford and L'Oreal and Volvo and all these huge companies, what I can imagine is many times people were expecting me either when I was a candidate or when I was interviewing folks at every level, they were expecting that I wasn't going to ask those same typical kinds of questions that most people ask. And many times when I'm asking questions either as a candidate or as a recruiter, I'm trying to get to the values of it all. And mm-hmm. so that's that's the whole point of the advice, because to your point about the trolls, the trolls are going to come regardless. You know, I, I, believe, <laughs> they're, they're I believe I certainly there are a lot of things I do not believe in. And there are a lot of things I do believe there are there are exactly those things that happen when the values are askew. And so lean, I love what you said, leaning into those values and you won't go wrong with the decisions and the advice that you take or that you don't take. Can you repeat that? Cause it's vaguely important. The values, like you can't go wrong. If you're making decisions yeah. based on yourself and what you care about, you're not wrong. That's right. 
That's right. They won't steer you wrong. And so thank you so much for explaining that, because I, I'm sure people were like, wait a <laughs> second, he's not going to answer. What is that all about? <laughs> What do you mean he's not going to get a relationship here? Because, you know, when I met Andy back uh, when we were at the uh, LCOP or leadership con- uh, coaching for organizational performance, that is, at Rutgers, we were really leaning into being vulnerable and learning about how to be a really, truly effective coach. And there were highs and there were lows. And we had to really face our value system, that values operating system that I talked about last time. These are the things that make for a great relationship when you really are are open about the the things that you've learned. And so thank you for answering that, Andy. I really appreciate it. Of course. Happy to. Happy to. So the next question is about risk. We Mm. all have risk, uh, you know, risks that we take, the highs, the lows. Sometimes we look back and we think, oh, was that the right decision? I'm not sure. What do you think, Andy, was the greatest risk that you've taken in your career? Oh, that's interesting. I, 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 I actually don't think people should take risks. I think it's bad advice. It's up there with like, you know, follow your passion. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but uh, I spent most of my life trying to de-risk things. Um, so, so that's interesting. Um, a lot of times when I talk to people about like, hey, I want to take a risk, like I want to um, quit my job or I want to build this startup or I want to become a music, whatever it is. A lot of times it's like an excuse that they give themselves, like permission for immediate gratification. Like whenever I dig deeper into these leaders that I'm talking to, I always find that they're running away from something rather than running towards something. Like I'm fine with risk risk being calculated, but I think as a general rule, people need to like de-risk their life. Um, Okay, so I'll give you you two great examples, one personal, one professional, Um, like where you should de-risk areas, you'll just be better off. Like one professionally is like your boss, your direct manager, like people have good relationships with the manager, Um, like the manager is the key component to your growth and success. It's like a 68%, I think. They're the ones closest to your development. They're the ones who are going to identify job opportunities for you. They're going to give you visibility. They're in charge of like the velocity of how quickly you would advance in your role and in turn in your career. So if you could just de-risk that area, you're just better. You know, and personally, um, I think the area that I think a lot of people struggle with this one um, is your partner, like your spouse. Mm. Like that's an area that you need to de-risk. Uh, you know, that's this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And people who have good relationships with their partners, like they're happier. Like, you know, you have more security, you have more financial stability, people are less depressed, they live longer. You know, there's a lot of things. Um, I think Scott Galloway uh, talks about this in his book, uh, The Algebra of Happiness. It's just, these are two areas, like if you could de-risk those things, you're just better off than most people. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? It totally does. And and, And I'm just like salivating over that answer because that that it's delicious. It really is. Because when I think about uh, de-risk, it goes back to a lot of what I coach on, and that is protecting your peace. Um, Whether, like you said, I love the example of personal because we know that there are no lines of of demarcation, if you will, between our personal personal and professional lives. And de-risk, that whole point of de-risk on all fronts is about self-protection of our yeah. peace oh 100 you know it's just that's why like people take risks just don't take risks <laughs> like don't you're gambling with your future don't do that and and thinking about risk yeah it's it's a gamble that's another great word for it and and when you think about risk um it's i think it's it's something that's individual because what i may consider to be a risk could be that i believe that this path that i'm taking you may not agree with, and therefore you might consider it being not you, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, one might believe that that is a risk that because it doesn't fall with what everybody else is doing, and so therefore you might think it's a risk, but I don't. So one thing is for certain, we know that we are trying so hard to muddle through our careers. And Andy, you mentioned earlier about the manager being mm-hmm. what I like to call in the room where it happens. <laughs> yeah, they're, the, yeah. they're the ones controlling the fate. They're the ones providing the feedback as to whether or not 
you have the promotion, you take on the 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 really cool project, or you get assigned um, a, a great temporary assignment in another mm-hmm. country. How does someone make sure that that relationship is solid? Oh, that's a good question. Can you can you unpack that? Like, what specifics you want to jump into? Because I could talk about this for like three days. Oh, uh, what boy. do you want to chat about? Just, I guess, the highest level, uh, you know, the Cliff Notes version, to use your words. Okay. All right. So the question you want me to address is, like, how do you make sure that you have a good relationship with your boss? Is that Correct. Right? Correct. All right, cool. Um, so here are some of the big challenges that come up, whether, like, these are with the teams that I've worked with or in my coaching practice. One is um, having clear expectations. Knowing how you need to deliver your work, knowing what you should be working on, how to prioritize. Prioritization is a big thing that a lot of people struggle with um, and how you should be showing up. Something else is making sure that what you are doing is aligned to and supporting um, your bosses or your managers objectives, like what understanding what they're on the hook for and what their skip level, like the, your boss's boss. Right. You know, cause if you're working on stuff that's not aligned to up the leadership chain, it just makes your job a whole lot harder. Um, something else is understanding how you show up in the organization. You know, what do people think of you? What are you known for? How are you known for delivering things? Um, I know a ton of leaders who would brighten the room by leaving it. You know, that's that's the <laughs> reputation. That's just oh, their struggle. They struggle <laughs> with that sort of stuff. So those are like those are the high level things of things to be aware of. Okay, thank you for that. Oh gosh, you just made me laugh <laughs> because I was Im- I was imagining uh, throughout my career. I'm like, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what do you think is the hardest thing? about being a leader that most people don't know? Oh, that's a, that's a, it's a relative question, Kelly. Um, I think there's, every leader has their own set of challenges. Like that's why coaches are in business and that's why talent and development are big in, in companies. Like everybody mm-hmm. has their own different things that they work on. Um, high level, I think that most of the problems that I have in executives like me, they're not, strategy problems. They're not economic problems. They're not innovation problems. They're people problems. Like most of the stuff I have to deal with today is just really just getting people to do the things I need them to do. Okay. Like that's the hardest part of my job. Yep. You know, that's, a, that's a, I mean, I am, I am benefited of being licensed and trained in executive coaching. Like it, <laughs> it helps me a ton. It makes my job easier, but the hardest thing for leaders is, is just managing people. No, knowing how you're showing up and how you're engaging with the person across the desk from you, or in this case, across the Zoom from you. Um, So yeah, just dealing with those people problems. And that's probably dominating everything, or at least it should be. Uh, It's it's not the thing that I, I see it so many times when leaders, especially folks that are coming right into like, say, SVP, senior vice president level, and mm-hmm. many times still holding on to the tactical stuff. Yeah, really, that's not your job like, anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's not your still job Still hanging anymore. around in the weeds and, and not really focusing on getting people to, to, to do their jobs, to your point, and, and mm-hmm. inspiring them to do better and, and to focus on their career architecture, all those things. Yeah, I think the leading through people is one of the hardest things that, let's say this is like above the director level. Yes. Like if you're like a director and above, like you shouldn't be in the weeds unless you're in a startup, like when you're doing everything. But right. in most companies, like you should be directing. You should be leading strategy. You should be leading through people. You should be dealing with the overall strategic direction of the company. Like if you're an SVP or a chief product officer and you're digging into the weeds, like there's probably a disconnect there. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always wondered what's behind that. What's what's behind holding on to the weeds? Uh, you asking me or are you talking? Yeah, you just, tell me? Just, okay. just hypothesizing because I know uh, in the next few moments when we come back from our break, we're going to be digging into some 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 thoughts like thought leadership okay. about future okay. of work and some other sure. things. Well, the, the short version of, of that 
questions like why do people still doing it usually has to do with something uh, uncomfortable or they're in a space where they're not familiar. So when people get uncomfortable in a new leadership role and they have trouble with the transition, they revert back to what they know. They like that's the thing that shows up all the time. And if what they know is getting in the weeds and doing that sort of work, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, that's where they're going to that's where they're going to hang out. <laughs> yeah, in the weeds, exactly. Well, one of the things that, uh, as I was just saying, that I thought would be really uh, interesting in our conversation, uh, now that I have you for these next few moments, is to think about all the things that are hap- that's happening in the news, thinking about future oh, of God, work. Do we and, have to? Oh, yeah. To <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got to right. go there, Andy. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we've got to go there. <laughs> um, you know, thinking about the future of work and 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 how things are are evolving in terms of what what do you think people should be reading and 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 yeah you you mentioned so many nice uh you know references earlier uh but we're going to talk about that in just a few moments one of the things that i would love to pick your brain on i'm not going to reveal that question quite yet that's a surprise <laughs> okay. that's, mm, that's a surprise. At, waiting waiting with bated breath let's go <laughs> let's go are you ready Let's go. (laughs) All right, everyone. See you in a moment right after the break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is Career Combat? Career Combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Men are currently in a mental health crisis. Suicide, addiction, and loneliness are on the rise. Men need mentorship, community, and guidance. On the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Agile, you'll hear from experts on topics that men care about the most. Financial health, relationships, fitness, emotional management, and lifestyle design. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. What a great reminder that you help design the show. I tell it all the time. I get emails. I get pings. I get... I get uh, all kinds of messages on LinkedIn where people will say, I would love for you to focus on fill in the blank. You do design the show. So if you ever want to think about all the things that are happening in your career and you would like them to show up in career combat, all you have to do is either call us at the show or you can email me at yes at kellycoach.com. That's yes at K-E-L-L-I-C-O-A-C-H. Dot com. All right. So welcome back. Before our break, we were talking to Andy LaMonica, Andrew LaMonica, I call him Andy. And you should be considering in terms of 
uh, how you're navigating your relationship with your manager, uh, why people do what they do. I mean, that that was just my curiosity. I was I was get, getting a little selfish there, thinking about <laughs> how I would I wonder why they. I, I was going into like this 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 mode with Andy about uh, why people who are at that director and above level why are there why some of them will hang out in the weeds and hold on to things and such. But now that we are back, I think it's really important to talk about just the future of work. And I know that's a very big topic to try to tackle in just a few moments. What I'd like for you to do, Andy, is to choose your own adventure. Answer in any way that you can your thoughts on what you believe from everything that you've read, you've studied, what you believe the future of work is in any category. That's interesting. This comes up a bit. Um, the two things I come back to are the ability to lead and having good judgment. So like right now there's a flood of talent in the market. Yes. The people looking for jobs, um, trying to get placing and stuff. Now there's a lot of really talented executional people and there is a gap in people who could lead in situations like that. I mean, I'm a little biased. Like I work with a lot of executives and various companies and just, there's just a lot of crappy managers out there. Um, so it's like, if you're able to like fix those, those crappy managers or hiring leaders who can um, really help develop the culture, it's a multiplying effect. You get more innovation, you get better products, you get more retention, just like it's a lot of things like that. You can solve a lot of the challenges in most corporate settings by just having good leaders in place. Um, the second thing is exercising, I think, good judgment. Okay. There's a lot of conversations about generative AI and yes. you know how um, all of these chatbots and uh, GPT and AI and all these things are going to be taking over jobs, which I don't think is true. I don't either. I think that the individuals who can exercise good judgment and make ethical decisions, I think in on a long enough timeline, that's where the real value is going to lie. So that's as far as the future of work, I think it's boning up on your leadership skills and identifying people with good judgment. And the good judgment part that you just talked about, it can go in so many directions. My goodness. I mean, it goes back to the lovely things that you were saying earlier about values. It definitely uh, is a partner to diversity, equity, and inclusion with the goal of belonging. Because if you could imagine, if you're responsible for generative AI, for an example, and that judgment piece is not there, I can imagine the destruction that could actually happen uh, if you're at the wheel. Yeah, Kelly, that's how we have Skynet. (laughs) There was Terminator (laughs) movies based on that. Seriously, you know, (laughs) like these generative AI, they're basically doing what the people program them to do or what, you know, if you're using ChatGPT, like you use it, like you're giving it the prompt. (laughs) Yes. So if you have like uh, bad judgment and racist nonsense going into the product, that's what you're going to get out. So exercise good judgment. Yeah, and that's super important. You were talking earlier about all the things that um, that really you lean into in terms of your strategy and your how you are showing up behaviorally in terms of leadership. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the future of leadership when it comes to uh, that fo- that focus point on behavior being that, uh, you know, you are a servant leader. What is the future of servant leadership, do you believe? I think we're going to get more of it. Okay. It seems like the trajectory that the world is going is going to go one of two places. Either it's going to be utter chaos or we're going to start banning together to solve the big problems. I hope it's the banding together option. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of signs that point to, you know, self-assured destruction, but I just, I, I put faith in good people that, you know, the goodness will prevail. I know that sounds like something you would hear from like uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi school of leadership, but it's just like, I generally believe that, <laughs> you know. It's and you're like, like, I'm not trying to sound like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we, we, we say things and as it's coming out, we're thinking, 
Wow, that sounded. Hmm. Uh, but it's true. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how it sounded. It's so. It's so relative and so true. So I, I'm. I'm there with you all the way. Uh, the next question I have is about coaching. Mm-hmm. And I, I know in advance I was talking about uh, the the coaching influence and how it's influenced your your leadership style. I'm interested building off of what we just talked about when we were talking about future of work. What do you think? Because, you know, we're both coaches. What do you think is the future of coaching? Um, can you focus that a little bit? Focus of coaching in terms of how it impacts work. Well, I've seen a lot of uptick in learning and development in organizations. This is something recent. I don't know if this is a long-term play or not, but I'm seeing a lot more things get solved. Um, I have a lot of contacts with some of the larger fortune companies, and they are all looking for people who can coach and develop talent. Like that's part of the leadership, the executive leadership rubric is that you can take a large group of people and make them better. So, if your Amazons, your Apples, and your Googles um, are making these plays for figuring out the leadership problem, I'm pretty confident that they made a strategic business decision to pursue this. So I think there's a lot of value in coaching, in developing talent, in being a good leader. We'll stop. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and we, we were talking before about uh, coaching and influence. Specific to you, Andy, mm-hmm. how has coaching influenced your leadership style? Oh, it just makes my job so much easier. <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, like the problems I have, they're not strategy problems, they're not business for other people problems. Like being able to navigate individuals, navigate people, it just makes me do my job more effective. It's I, it's one of the single best investments I've made in my career and nice. my life. Hands down, no question. And not just like at work, outside of work too, just makes things easier. It does. It's funny how that shows up. And I, I'm glad that you explained it that way because I don't think a lot of folks realize how much coaching influences whether or not you're, you are being coached or you are a coach. Mm-hmm. It influences both internal, external families, uh, your personal relationships, just how you're able to relate better and listen at that level of listening for understanding instead of to respond. I want to plus one that too. It helps you understand okay. yourself better too. Oh boy. Like just a lot of people are destroyed or derailed by things that they are in charge of, like their outlook on life or how they show up. Like, and when you understand how things work in your mind and why you're behaving or reacting a certain way, like when you're certain that you're able to like solve a lot of your problems yourself. So yeah, just that's huge. It's so true. I I remember uh, one of the first, I agree with you about how much of a great investment it was to go through the coaching program that we did. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember one of the first classes that we had that workshop. I, I swear I slept for like, <laughs> and I don't really take naps during the day, but, but because I had so much introspection about self, mm-hmm. it was exhausting. And mm-hmm. I remember taking a nap right after it was done for like four hours straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that growth and learning happen when you're like just outside your comfort zone. And like, I think it was an accelerator for a learning experience, understanding yes. those skills, tools, and techniques. And yeah, you're going to get tired. <laughs> you get better yes. at it. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. And speaking of learning, uh, so picking your brain about some sure. recos, some recommendations, mm-hmm. what, what do you recommend for reading or listening or, you know, whether it's podcasts or, or anything that they should be watching to grow for their careers, anything at all across the gamut, what would you be recommending in terms of what they should be picking up? Straight up, Kelly, the thing that they should be listening to is themselves. Oh, that's the thing that's going to help you go in your career. Like, yeah, I could tell you like the, the FX show, the bear was amazing. I was just like, yeah, I can talk about all these sorts of things, whatever, but listening to yourself, that's going to help you go in your career. So like something super easy for your listeners to do, like is just take those moments. Like if you're frustrated at work, take 10 minutes and just sit with it. Yes. Understand the frustration um, or try to 
try to personify it, try to put form around it, try to move it around, try to just really understand where it came from and where it's going. Same thing with like being happy. Like you got a great day. Awesome. What made it great? And how can you create that for tomorrow? Yes. Yes. So you're listening, like the thing I want you to listen to, the girl in your career is yourself. I will also add, I know we're, I know we're out of time on this one too. We talked about a lot of stuff during, during this uh, time together. None of this is easy. Like it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. It's not something you like add to cart. Um, like just give yourself a break, be kind to that person you see in the mirror and just like keep at it. I love Ooh. it. I love it. Wow. What a mic drop moment. Andy, thank you so much. I'm wondering how can clients or anybody reach out to you? Where, where um, do they um, you can find me. I'm super accessible on social media, like LinkedIn, YouTube. I'm on all the stuff like that. And I'm pretty open. Like, um, Anyone who really wants to get in touch with me can. Awesome. Thank you again, Andy. I really appreciate the, the interview and the time. Appreciate it. I'm sure that there were a lot of things that, because we did, we covered a lot of ground. And so for our next episode, folks, I'll be interviewing Johan George. He's one of my favorite facilitators. He's a triple threat performer. I mean, just a Spengali. I mean, just all kinds of things Johan is doing. And the last thing I wanted to share with all of you, you know, I love me some acronyms. All right. <laughs> Every single episode, I've got an acronym to share. This one is PRIDE, P-R-I-D-E. And it stands for Personal Responsibility in Delivering Excellence. Have some pride. Thanks for listening, everyone, to Career Combat. And until next time, see ya. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Career Combat with Kelly Combat. We hope we've given you the tools to navigate your career quandaries. Until we talk again next week, have a beautiful week.